Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister for a spoiler-filled discussion of the second season of Mr. Robot. Which may necessitate spoiling season one. Yes, yes. I'm definitely going to go into some, some major plot details and whatnot. Um, well, as well as uh, aspects of writing, in terms of this is not the first time we've encountered an unreliable narrator. Yeah, this we may get a lot into storytelling theory and stuff like that on this. I think it's unavoidable. Yeah. I'd been hearing from a number of co-workers, this is a great show, you've got to watch it, that sort of a thing. I heard that more season one. I actually didn't hear any talk on season two. Of course, I work from home, so I have less uh, buzz. I don't know where people were at, but I'd been hearing it within the last couple of months while season two was airing. Mm-hmm. And season one went along and then about... Uh, a few episodes from the end, major turning, uh, mm-hmm. reveal, that made you rethink everything. Well, and I, I felt it had a major plot turn, as well as the major reveal. So when people said, oh, wow, at the end, it just blows you out of the water. I really felt they could be referring to either of those two things. This season, at about the same point in the series, or the season, you know, a little past the two-thirds mark, almost three-quarters, we get another major reveal. That Elliot's been in prison the whole time. I was trying to figure out how far in that was. Um, Now, earlier than that in the season, because it's during that that highly unreliable phase, uh, Elliot gets beaten up. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows I don't like the gore, the violence, etc. That may be my favorite episode, but... The one where he's... We see him... We see them start to beat him up. Start to beat him up. It's the one... Yeah. There's the one episode where there's kind of almost off on the side images and like reflections and stuff of him getting the tar beaten out of him. Uh huh. Occasionally you catch glimpses like in a rearview mirror and but the a Game Boy thing screen. Was done like a, an 80s or 90s sitcom. Yeah, complete with laugh track. It, which he's reacting to. It's like, who is laughing? And in the context of the character, character of uh, Elliot. It makes perfect sense, because that's how he would react. Well, and he hears voices. But we've got his parents, his sister, kind of in the clearly green-screened car driving sequence. Well, and one of the things I loved about that part was the car, like the hood, looked not quite cardboardy, but more fake than a real vehicle would look. But they dipped it down low enough to make sure to catch a major brand logo. On the hood. Or oh, front. Okay. I didn't Would, notice. I just thought that was kind of funny because, again, it felt like one of those, we must have a product placement. The sitcom would go the lengths of. And they had the uh, the classic TV frame size. They had the TV frame size. They had the lower res. It was very clearly, they're in a stationary car with an image behind them. Yeah. To the point that when the guy in the trunk... Yes. Es- tries to escape and kind of runs off or bounces off. He bounces into the green screen and falls back. Yes. And the whole time, Elliot's like, what is going on here? I mean, by this point, 
they'd gone so over the top with the the 80s intro music and and seg- segments and stuff. I want to know which theme song melody that was. There was aspects of Step by Step, Full House, Alf. Yes. Alf actually shows up in the sh- in, in the episode and show. Twice. You he's know? in the convenience store and he drives by in his classic car. And what was funny is when we finally get him in the hospital waking up, the people are listening to uh, an episode, old rerun of Elf, which is yeah, out in the presumably way, yeah, yeah. what had colored Elliot's delusions. Yeah. It was a, a brilliant episode. It was. And when he asks his dead dad towards the end of the episode, I don't get it. Why are you doing this? His dad says, I was trying to protect you from the pain. Yeah, I was trying to take the punches for you. This is just kind of how it happened. Yeah. There's a whole aspect this season of control. Is it an illusion? Can you trust your senses? Can you believe what you hear and you see? Normally at the end of the episodes, we do a, is the season worth watching? Is it worth binging? How would you watch it? I'm going to go ahead and say right here, in case people don't make it to the end. If you only watch one episode out of this whole season, find this episode and watch it. Because even if you aren't getting caught up in the great big arc of the series, just seeing how they did, the the guy escapes into the dreamland while being injured and in the recovery phase. It's a great episode. It was a notch above, I think, everything else in the season. Yeah. There's an aspect of this series that I believe you referred to it at one point as an art house film. Yes. And I agree entirely. Well, I you know I've bugged you enough times with this. Of I'll call out to you during the episodes. Am I the only one feeling that music cue feels like the opposite type of music I expect? And this show does that nine times out of ten, especially when they pop the Mr. Robot logo up on the screen. It doesn't have a theme signature music or whatever. They'll go with like a, a an eight bit eighties kind of a thing or a horror film kind of a chord or. You know, whatever fits the mood they want to do. But I think part of that is the creator of the show, uh, Sam Esmel, uh-huh. is, I think, also directing almost all of the episodes. Quite a few. And once or twice, because we mentioned with season one, you know, when I expect an actor to be centered in the frame or off to the right, they'll put them way off to the left or vice versa. Well, how about at one point they've got a shot of Elliot on a couch that's from the ceiling down. Yes. Well, that one I I liked and I found interesting because he was asking his imaginary friend, the audience, is there something in the apartment? There was another one earlier on when he was talking with Darlene or something. Oh, okay. So they're basically take the standard shots you would see in a typical kind of a primetime TV show. Mm -hmm. Throw those out and say you can't use any of those. Yes. That's how they're filming this many times. Well, Not uh, entirely, but no. a lot. But what gets me about the ones where they put them off to what I feel is the opposite off side. Center. I Well, and the opposite side, though, of yes. where I would put them, is then you end up with, if the actor, oh, I don't know, acts and moves, they nod out of frame and their nose gets cut off. There was one in one of the last couple of episodes where Elliot was in the lower uh, right corner. Yes, and when he opened his mouth to speak, half his mouth fell off frame. I think that's a very intentional decision uh, from both the director and, and director of photography. 
trying to make it different, edgy, again, more art house, more avant-garde, whatever you want to call it. Well, and they're also emphasizing that life is not perfect. Life does not frame up like that perfect little uh, Norman Rockwell painting. I get where they're trying to, to, to be symbolic in that respect, and perception is, is a matter of choice almost, but there was an aspect where they reveal that he's been in prison for like the entire season thus far, around episode seven or eight or something. And what, and they basically explain how most of the events happened. And there were a couple of things like he'd been having three meals a day with this one guy, Leon or whatever. And it's like, okay, something's up with this. I know this from the get go. Yeah. Oh, they're in prison the whole time. That explains. They explained to my way of thinking, they explained between 50 and 75% of the events we'd seen with Elliot up to that point. Yes, agreed. There were a few things. Anything involving the Warden Ray didn't get explained. Agreed. Agreed. There's still room for interpretation. But when they when they do things that force you to completely rethink the earlier half quarter, you know, three quarters of the season because they blatantly withheld information and misled us. Yeah. I find that a little frustrating. There was also a few things in the last couple of episodes where we both, I think, looked at each other. It's like, what is the point of this scene? There was one where I specifically asked you, what am I supposed to be getting out of this scene? Because I was trying to understand, am I supposed to be getting that the FBI agent is so shaken mm-hmm. from seeing people shot, seeing innocent people, as well as one guilty person, die? Is she having a problem coping? What am I supposed to get here? Well, there was also the previous scene with Angela getting quizzed by the kid. Yes. What puzzled me about that was the choice of actress for the kid. No, I that was the only part that made sense to me, but that actually kept me thinking, okay, has she been drugged and she's doing an Elliot-style delusion, hallucination, dream sequence here, or is this real? Well, apparently it was real based on other events, but yes. it's like, why is a you know child version of her quizzing her? They wanted to make her face herself. Yeah. And I got that, especially once White Rose walked in, I was like, okay, then my feeling that she was being forced to face herself and give these answers, not just to some arbitrary psychologist, but to herself. And those were definitely psychology questions. Well, with White Rose, B.D. Wong's doing an amazing job with the role. Oh my gosh, yes. But the role is also one that's incredibly confusing and unclear in many respects yeah and part of that is because elliot is confused and unclear about the dark army the white rose character his own relationship with all of the above it's unclear what gender the white rose is sometimes we see a female character sometimes a male character yeah and when the white rose uh peed on somebody's grave i was gonna go i guess it's female character I think a male could have pulled that off. It would have been awkward, but... There are times, though, where it's like, I'm unsure what we're how we're supposed to be interpreting what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff with just Tyrell, with the wife, uh, with, with the FBI agent, if all of this were just Elliot's story and we were focusing only on him, I, again, I said this last time, I'll say it again, I'd be more okay with some of the late reveals telling us that we'd been kind of seeing it through his eyes the whole time. Well, I, and... But that doesn't hold water when so much of the story isn't around him. Yeah. 
I mean, on the Elliot aspects of the story, I liked, given the late reveal of the prison, that everyone who came to visit him, quote, in his mother's dining room, Mm -hmm. always sat in the same seat opposite him. Yes, it's one of those that they had, they'd given clues. They, I don't, I don't want to say they played fair. Well, because they they knew what they were going to reveal. Yes, because I kept trying to figure out why is he going to a diner to eat with Leon and then coming back to his mother's to wash the dishes. Yeah, there are many things the the basketball game. Yeah, and the regiment. And certain things that it was clear from the get-go. They knew exactly where they were going during the season. Mm-hmm. They also were very clear they didn't want us to know where they were going. And I, I'm not saying they should have telegraphed. No, but like you said, there's definitely that feeling of, but did they play fair with me? And that's the question that I keep having to ask. And the reason that I feel frustrated when I say they explained a lot of what of what Elliot told us really happened versus what was delusion and that they didn't explain the warden slash Ray plot line from those early episodes is Elliot said he had gotten on a computer and had used a private channel of some sort to communicate with his sister and send her some kind of malware program that he wrote Now, he did that on Ray's computer, so I want to know, did he really get on the warden's computer? Did he really access the outside world? Did he really hack the FBI from inside a state prison? Did the FBI raid the prison? I mean, there's... Did the warden really get arrested because of something that Elliot did? There was just too much left ambiguous and unanswered on that whole plot line. I completely agree. For me. No, and I, I felt the same way. There are a lot of things that it's like, I can guess at what might have happened, but I'm having to fill in a heck of a lot of blanks in the story. Well, and the other thing is Elliot saying that the Dark Army got him his early release. If he really got the warden arrested for doing all these horrible crimes in the prison and through the prison, shouldn't that have earned him time off his sentence? Not 15 months, but still, shouldn't that have gotten him something? Yeah, it's unknown who to credit what to and why, because we're getting such a filtered version of the story. Mm. And I get it's Elliot's perspective, Elliot's delusions on some of this, but there was an entire episode, I think a little after that reveal, where he was barely in it. Yeah. Maybe it was right before, I forget. But it was almost all around, um, uh, what's her name, Angela. Angela... I don't know how to describe her this season. It was like she spent the 11 twelfths of the season in mourning and just locked down, somewhat robotic, frozen at the core and needed to thaw. Now, at the end of last season, I guess, at the beginning of the season, she saw someone commit suicide. We find out her best friend's been arrested and is in jail. She was friends with his girlfriend who died last season. So she's got lots of trauma to explain Mm -hmm. it. But I just could never really grasp what changed her so much from the portrayal last year. I would have to go back through the series, which I think the the creators is demanding people do by the way he's telling the story. Yeah. But were I to go back through it, 
I would keep a death tally. Mm. Because, and I'm not talking just incidental people. I think there's an average of a major or notable death per episode on average. Interesting. Because, I mean, this season, Gideon. No, I was sorry to see him go. And, I mean, I know we get it all through Elliot's filter. So, on the one hand, I don't believe the conversation in the bar right before he was shot is the conversation that took place. I don't know, because that's something that takes place out of Elliot's purview. So, I have a hard time understanding if we're supposed to see that as filtered through Elliot's perspective or not. True. And there are certain things... Elliot is just too wrapped up in himself to even bother speculating on or doesn't even know about the character to speculate on. Yeah. The FBI agent, uh, a lot of the stuff going on, um, uh, you know, again, in the inner workings of ECOR. Um, when, you know, in that bar scene with Gideon, I kept thinking, this is some reporter who's f- trying to figure out a way to get a soundbite or a one-liner for their article because mm-hmm. Gideon isn't talking to anybody. He's saying, come on, you're the most famous patsy in America. And is saying, you know, we all know you couldn't possibly have done this. You're just some scapegoat. And then says, but then again, you know, think how famous I can be for killing the most famous patsy in America. Pulls out a gun and shoots him. Yeah. We've got that. Romero dies. A number of people. The reveal on Romero's death in the final episode, Mm -hmm. I thought was actually good. Well, and even some of the deaths are not characters that are regular and uh, they're, you know, a, a major absence when they go, but they're still pivotal. Yeah. The uh, ECOR um, legal counsel. Yes. Whose house uh, F Society takes over. Um, she winds up coming back at one point and getting killed off. Well, and Darlene saying that this lady has been on the legal counsel in some capacity since Darlene was four. Whether she had it coming or not, there were some great scenes, and it was clearly a character that has been intertwined and pivotal to the events of the entire series. Yeah. Even if not necessarily uh, we see it or, or by name. I just, I liked the characterization Darlene gave of, you giggled when Ecor got away with mm-hmm. killing people in my hometown. Again, they had some great material for most of the actors. Yeah. Uh, the one who plays Darlene did a great job and really had a much bigger role this season. Yeah. It's just one of those things that I want to rewatch a series because it's, wow, it was so much fun. Not rewatch a, uh, a season because I feel I need to to figure out what the heck went on. Yeah. Yeah. I wish the FBI agent played by uh, Meryl Streep's daughter, Grace Gummer, I wish she'd been given better material. I think she did great with what she had. Definitely. And that's why I wish she'd have more and better. If she doesn't end up on like a police procedural kind of a show after this, I will be amazed. Yeah. She's, she has done a terrific job. Yeah. She, she blew me away in several of the scenes. I actually really liked her in the uh, hospital scene after the dark army went after Darlene and her boyfriend Mm -hmm. with talking to her boss of, I told you they would go after him. And I loved the comeback they had given him of, and thank you for making me feel guilty about several innocents dying. Can we go back to the conversation we were having? But what I liked is we'd seen the scene earlier where she says, you put it out on the uh, an APB, you're killing him. Yes, yes. And those are the sorts of scenes that Elliot would have no reason to even speculate on. Yeah. And therefore, it's not like we're, it's not like he's telling us these stories, but it's not even like we're his invisible friend as they portray us in the show. 
that are are just seeing this floating around in his brain. Yeah, yeah. So it's those are the scenes that I have a hard time figuring out how to interpret. But because of the blatant, uh, confusing aspect of the storytelling style, that's the only reason the major climax at the end of the season played out in a, a workable manner. Where he's there in this warehouse with uh, Elliot's there with Mr. Robot and Tyrell. Tyrell's holding a gun on him and he doesn't believe Tyrell exists. Yeah. And at this point, we don't believe Tyrell exists. I didn't believe Tyrell exists, at least. Of course, then no. he gets shot by Tyrell, giving Tyrell a bit of credence. Well, I mean, we've seen the uh, casing from the bullet that was found back at the arcade implying what he believes, which is that he shot Tyrell. So we've been given every reason to believe, as he does, that Tyrell is dead. He has found out by accident that the person calling Tyrell's wife is not Tyrell. How many characters over the course of this season did we question the existence of? I didn't entirely believe Leon existed. No, I was... There came a point where it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I, I was pretty sure Leon existed. He was just funny. Pretty sure. Yeah. That's the thing with this show. Yeah. Well, the only thing that made me hesitate on Leon, and Guy explained in the scene where you were convinced, was I couldn't figure out why would a guy who's very outgoing and has a lot to say and wants a lot of conversation spend all this time with someone who doesn't answer him? Why did he befriend Elliot and why are they tight? Yeah. Uh, when it's clear that the the Dark Army is having this guy keep an eye on yeah, protect him. Protect him, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was, yeah, I was more suspicious of the friendship than doubting he was real. Just a, it, it didn't make sense. When he faded out around the time um, Ray came in, that made me kind of question. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a well-written show for what it's setting out to do. I just rebel against some of what it's doing. Because I feel if they were to simply tell a tell the story story in a clearer manner, yeah, I'd be more enthralled with it. Versus constantly trying to figure out what on earth do they expect me to get out of this scene that seems tangential at best well, to I'm the core story. St- I'm still trying to figure out why would the Dark Army be working with someone who wants to destroy E Corp's finances and records when. That same person who heads the Dark Army is working with E-Corp. I'm still trying to figure out why E-Corp, who's been hacked and lost a lot of their records, is somehow able to be publicly championing an uh, uh, E-Coin, their Bitcoin equivalent. Yeah. That's a cryptocurrency, which is reliant on record keeping and that sort of a thing. Yeah. They've just been hacked. That should have blown E-Coin out of the water. Yeah. I mean, if if you were dealing with a, a, a E-Corp type company in the real world and it's like they've just been hacked, you can't pay your mortgage because they're not even sure if you really have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Well, And then they're saying, uh, but but trust us, we're doing this electronic currency, all will be right with this. They were the company that was uh, sending statements to people saying you owe us your mortgage payment, even to people who had paid off their mortgages. Because there was no record of the mortgage being paid off. Mm-hmm. My, my point is, yeah. their records were completely obliterated and they had no credibility on that. Yeah. So to do a cryptocurrency, which requires credibility. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking, 
why would you trust someone to, quote, hold your money when they can't even keep track of the fact that you own your home? Exactly. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, never really addressed that anywhere in this. Yeah. And it, frankly, took a while for it to be really clear that the e-coin, what they were trying to do with all of that. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting idea. It'd be one that's fun to explore. They were trying to make a competing currency to the U.S. dollar. Again, Bitcoin. Yeah. But that was buried beneath and behind the uh, the crazy storytelling. Yeah. So the, the style at times gets in the way of some of the material. Yeah. And I've got to wonder how many people that are just going nuts over the show thinking it's the best thing since sliced bread are doing it because... It's mind-blowing. It's such a different storytelling style. Yeah. And again, some of what they're doing is very interesting. Some of the, the effects they're doing and the technical uh, techniques when, again, um, Robot, Mr. Robot and Elliot are kind of flipping places and some stuff like that. And yeah. you get the flicker image type thing. I mean, some of that was just brilliantly done, yeah. shot incredibly well. And some of the, the concepts they've got, some of the writing, exceptional. Well, when the FBI finds the arcade... And the FBI agent walks up to the building and sees that on the outside it says F Society. And she's like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And other people are questioning it. And she's like, yeah, how stupid must we look? Yeah. So, I mean, I like some of that. Uh, it's got some, some great stuff. But there's so many times where we're looking at a bunch of characters looking at something and they're like, oh, wow, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to. You want to show it to me now? Yes. And they'll hang on that. Yeah. And there's a uh, these episodes tend to be longer than your standard length uh, show. They're on the USA Network, so they can they can play with the time a little there. But it's also one where if you took out those kind of pregnant pauses or whatever, and just kind of I don't want to say cut to the chase, mm -hmm. you could tighten the thing up substantially. Yeah, because there are a number of times where somebody will say something, we go to the other person, we'll go back to the first person. We'll go back to the other person, back to the first, back to the other, and then they'll say something. Kind of, well, what do you want me to say? I'm trying to figure out what I should say. What, how are you, you know, kind of. Yeah. It, it's almost like that negotiating of the, the baud modem kind of a thing early on. It's like, if you just had a quicker damn handshake and just got on with this, well, you could save me a lot of time. Near the end of the final episode, the FBI agent walks Darlene into a room and basically says, you got to see this, mm -hmm. and walks her up to the wall that is the camera's angle yeah and we finally are looking at each other going what is she seeing we have yeah. no idea what she's reacting to so the reaction makes no sense well it also hangs for about 30 seconds to a minute of them yeah well this was a big thing you know wasn't sure if we should show it to you yada 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 and meanwhile we're looking through this fourth wall mm-hmm Thinking, man, if I was just behind them and could see what's going on. Or if the camera had pulled back about two feet and the wall was clear plastic, uh, plexiglass, and we could see kind of sort the, reverse. the, the yeah. backwards. Yeah. There are a number of ways they could have done it. Because you're, I was asking you, are we seeing monitors of other people being interrogated? Are we seeing a whiteboard? What are we seeing? We're in a day and age where 360 videos are possible and even on YouTube and you could film them yourself without yeah. too much trouble. Maybe need a little equipment, whatever. But there are certain shows that would be a little more challenging to film that way just because you got to hide where the camera is and 
but you could essentially tell your average sitcom in that kind of a, a manner. Or imagine kind of a VR thing where it's a, a, an enclosed set, mm-hmm. but they've got the, the camera station tour. You could kind of position the audience wherever the audience wanted to be. A lot of shows would work that way. This show would not. No. Could not. Because they're withholding information on, from us on a regular basis. And if we had control, if we could have just moved the camera at that point, yeah, that would have completely changed the scene. When we finally saw what Darlene was seeing and saw her kind of being walked through a, we've set up a flowchart of what we think your organization is. And it's kind of a, yeah, we agree. You're not the boss. Mm-hmm. We think you know who you think the boss is, and we think you're wrong. I mean, it basically put a very different spin on certain events, particularly the whole bit with Tyrell and Elliot there at the end, because we've been led to believe the entire season Tyrell's probably dead. Yeah. But, I mean, this show has kind of got the ultimate control freak aspect to it in terms of dispensing information. Well, the question I think they want us to be pondering going into next season is who is really in control, Tyrell or Elliot? I I don't know who's in control, because I think the Dark Army is another option, um, be it White Rose or someone else. Of F Society. There's also who's the mastermind, because I think that's clearly Elliot. Yes. Whether Elliot's in control, another matter entirely. And I guess the other question I would have is, was the first time Tyrell and Elliot really met the first time we saw them meet? There have been enough times this season where they'll start on an episode that clearly takes place before the series in the first season. Oh, I f- that frustrates me. Clearly, in retrospect, once you realize what they're... Oh, this is how they got the, the arcade. Oh, well, it must have happened. So clearly set, wrong term. Getting the order of events clear in this series is challenging. And therefore, the scene in the car where we first thought Mr. Robot and Tyrell were meeting, but this season we get... Well, quote-unquote, really happened with Elliot and Tyrell, but Elliot very much speaking like Mr. Robot would speak. Mm-hmm. Um, does that take place before or after? After. Well, does that take place before or after they met at... Um, All Safe? At All Safe. After. Based on what the chronology of the first season. Is it possible, though, that they were telling things out of order at that point? Mm. I can't trust the storytelling. Yeah, and I can't, there's no visual cue of, by the way, this is a flashback. Nothing anchors it in time. Yeah, you're right. So I believe it takes place after, because that would explain Tyrell, it's like, why are you speaking this way? I've seen you before, you know, kind of a thing. But there's so many scenes this season that throw that into question. In the car, he threatens him about the envelope swap at the He threatens him about a secret. True, true. And... We're led to believe it's the envelope We're led to believe. We assume certain things about these scenes. Yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah. We're assuming they take place in a certain sequence. We're assuming that the way we're filling in the blanks is the correct way to fill them in, even though there are times where there were not blanks to fill in that we got wrong. Yeah. And to the creative team's credit, and I include the writer, the director, the, the actors, everybody involved, the set designers, everything. Um... The story holds up. Yeah. You can give it some serious scrutiny. It's not like, well, geez, if, if, if they're claiming this happened this way, then th- this all falls apart. Yeah. Because I'm not seeing that. It, it, it seems to be uh, holding water as, as best I can decipher the story. 
I want to know what White Rose told Angela. No idea, but it completely turned her around. Yeah. Turned her around and seems to have taken her up a level. That, I think, is going to be one of the reveals potentially next season. Mm-hmm. They need to start having a little bit more payoff, a little bit less crypticness. Mm-hmm. Because I think if I go through another season where, again, around that episode eight point, it's, oh, yeah, we've been lying to you the whole time. Really, this is what's going on. Uh, fooled you again. And if I feel there are a lot of episode, uh, scenes where it's like, what the hell is this here for? What, what am I supposed to get out of it? Mm-hmm. There's a... It, it, it can either be a challenging show or a frustrating show. I'd like to see a season from Angela's point of view. At this point, changing the point of view from Elliot's would, I think, is a mistake. It would fundamentally change the show, but Angela, I feel, would be a more honest narrator. I think we get more information and have a better understanding. I think all of the character of the show comes from Elliot. I can't deny that. If they had done... In episodes so far from somebody else's perspective. Yeah. I'd be willing to say, sure, let's do that. If they had done this season from Mr. Robot's perspective. That would have been hilarious. Um, And I think this season they could have. Yeah. Um, I, There's the opening for that, but I think they've missed the opportunity for that. The fact that it took us, what, seven episodes to find out who was knocking on the door at the end of last season? Yeah. This show requires patience. It requires investment and indulgence in it is not for casual viewer i'm glad that we i'm not gonna say marathon dicks we divided over three or four nights nights. yeah but we've we've not done it obviously in one sitting but we've we've been closer to the binge watch than the week by week this is not a show i would watch week by week i don't think i could survive it week by week i think i'd get too frustrated i mean we had thought about yeah do we but it's like no i i I don't think I, I, I'm certain I would not be able to follow it well. Yeah. I have enough times with the way we are watching with like four to spurt, you know, over a couple of nights uh, spread across a week or so, just keeping track of a few things. Yeah. As it is, because we're watching a bunch at once, I do have a hard problem, a hard time remembering. Wait, last time we saw Elliot, was it this this episode, last episode, things yeah, like that? Yeah. But again, they're telling an interesting story, I think. Again, hard to be sure because there's a layer of abstraction between it and me. Um, the storytelling technique and style at moments is absolutely brilliant. The one episode that was kind of that 80s throwback to me was just head and shoulders above the rest. Mm-hmm. Taking advantage of some of what they had set up just to a, a, a whole nother level. Yeah. But there are also times where I feel that they could really pick up the pace on a couple of scenes. I think they're they're burying in there some interesting commentary on modern society. Yes, and I think that's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. They're being a little indulgent on style when they've also got some really good substance that the style is starting to obscure. Yeah. I mean, this concept that so much of our personal wealth, we trust corporations to have a record of. Yeah. And if their records get toasted... Our personal wealth is gone. It's why so many people used to, as the saying goes, keep their cash in their mattress. Well, there was a scene where uh, a bunch of the E-Corp higher-ups are out at dinner, and uh, the waitress has basically said, yeah, you're paying up front. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the head guy is pulling out a couple of hundreds, and mm-hmm. a little annoyed by the whole thing, but it's, oh, uh, what you going to do, kind of. It's the way credit is shot right now, so you got to pay cash. 
One, he's saying, you know, it used to be a restaurant where you had to make a reservation months in advance. But now that nobody has cash, they have the only table in the place. Yes, place is empty otherwise. Yeah, you know, and, but there were other things. And Elliot came to it more than uh, Darlene and other members of F Society. But it was, we wanted to start a revolution. We wanted to make people rethink the current norm, their trust in corporations, the corporate, the way corporations were ruling whether or not we wanted them to and whether or not we trusted them. But look at what we created as the new society through what they call the five and nine hack. And did we actually make anything better in our revolution? The fact that they go through a couple of episodes before I even noticed that there was all the trash piling up on the streets and they comment on that. You know, they, there's the unforeseen uh, consequences that they play with. Yeah. But to me, one of the comments or one of the comments on society that they just throw out there and walk past was when the FBI agent is at Steel Mountain trying to, you know, how did this happen, etc. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, yeah, we're renaming to Steel Valley. I think that's a much stronger name. Yeah. And then just kind of walk off as if a rename solves the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also one that's a common uh, technique or strategy. Yeah. Well, when everybody has money in their pockets, the FBI agent is getting yelled at by people behind her in line at the local bodega. Because, you know, hurry up. We want to make our purchases. You got to talk to him all day. She goes off on a business trip. And when she comes back everybody's run out of the cash in their pockets and his shelves are bare because the customers aren't coming in so he can't afford to restock yeah he's going out of business as a result of all of this yeah there's interesting commentaries like that sprinkled throughout yeah but they're easy to 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 lose sight of the e-coin price being 20 percent off they made several uh comparisons back to the great depression Mm -hmm. You know, and in the Great Depression, people were paid in script. And it was, you know, this script is worth $1. Take it to your bank and find out what they'll give you for it. But if you hold it until some undisclosed future date when the government says this Great Depression is over, then the bank will give you a dollar. Yeah. And different banks within the same town would have a different rate for script. Based on how much currency they had on hand. Well, and just the whole concept of a modern day collapse that way, because of how reliant we are on mm. electronic records and digital currency equivalents. Mm-hmm. I mean, not. I mean, I don't think there's that much reliance on Bitcoin or anything. No, but, but credit. I mean, how many people right now, if if the credit stuff just shut down mm. and you had to go with the cash in your wallet? Yeah. I mean, I've had periods where. I have literally gone, I think, weeks, if not months, without using cash. In the 80s, our parents took us on a vacation to a community, a very small town uh, in California. And when we got there, they checked into the hotel, they used their credit card. And when we went out to go to dinner, they discovered every restaurant in that town only took cash. Every business in that town, other than the hotels, only took cash. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we got back to the hotel, they sat there tallying who had how much cash. And I remember them telling us, tomorrow night, you can either have dinner at a restaurant instead of out of the cooler, or we can play miniature golf. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and again, I remember at one point Comic-Con, it was a cash-only society at that point. Yes. For concessions, for buying stuff, whatever. Now, everybody's got the little square thing to go swipe your card on their iPhone or whatever. Yeah. The ATM lines at Comic-Con used to be incredibly long. And it wouldn't take that much to kick us back. Yeah. And this story is, is exploring one of those ways we could get kicked back to that. Yeah. So it's, again, it's a f- interesting show. It was not quite what I was expecting going in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting uh, the quirky character of Elliot or the insanely uh, uh, unreliable narrator aspect of the series. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more uh, cyber hack, uh, almost a cyber heist of the week sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that extent, because Elliot was in prison, we didn't have the, I hacked this person because they hurt so-and-so, yeah. and I missed that from last season. Yeah. The show is evolving. The question is, does it evolve beneficially or not next yeah. season? Because there are aspects of having watched the two so far where it's like, yeah, I like it, but I'm also kind of annoyed with it. Yeah. You know, it's not one where it's like, oh, I've got to watch the third season or there's no way in hell I'll watch the third season. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, but it's not that there's going to be a jump the shark moment for them, but a we can put this off and just never get around to it moment for them. Yeah. And I would say the closest they came to a jump the shark moment was almost having the exact opposite of that with the one episode where he's getting beaten up. Mm. And we got, again, this 80s thing. It's like, wow, you're taking... Things you have set up and using them in just a radically different way and making, f- kind of making fun of the whole viewing process. Yes. Because they use the USA up all night stuff from yeah. that period in time. They use the USA logo from that period in time. A couple commercials that would have fit from that period of time. Yeah. It was just such a complete and utter throwback. Yeah. Um. Now, towards the end of the season, when they were having the blackouts, the only fake news segment that I really enjoyed, actually, was the uh, guy who normally rants and raves when he was saying that uh, as we're losing power, what we're really losing is information and access to it. Yes, it's not the electricity that's the loss. It's the what the electricity gets you, the internet, the, the communications, the information. Yeah. No, it it had some, it has moments of brilliance in this show. Yeah. But it also has so many moments of confusion and unclarity. Yeah. That it's, some people are are just going to watch it and and love it. Some are going to watch it and hate it. Yes. I can see it being a little polarizing and I can see a lot of people, which is I think where I'm at, kind of dead center. And it wouldn't take a whole lot to tip me one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I stand by if... If you watched season one and you're kind of at that kind of fell towards the I'm not sure I can go through another season, I'd look for that one episode with the 80s sitcom and Elliot getting beat up and and watch that one and see, okay, they did a standout episode this season. If they were to go for uh, putting an episode up for award nomination type thing, that's the one to do. Definitely. Because, again, just the way they nailed that TV style green screen from that era. Yes. You know, where they're so clearly sitting in a stationary car and there's the projection stuff behind them. And Well, they've got the dysfunctional family going on. Yeah. 
you know, Darlene's in the back seat at one point. She she kind of wakes up, we shall say, and it's, why do I feel like I got punched in the face? Mom leans back, punches her in the face. She's knocked out again. Mm-hmm. It's it's very almost stereotypical 80 sitcom, yeah. TV sitcom kind of a, to just amped up in this sort of almost uh, dysfunctional, subversive way. Yeah. So it's, again, got some great stuff, uh, got some annoying stuff. Yeah. Um, I can see why some people like it. I'm I'm on the fence with you. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like like watching it was a little bit of work. Uh, watching it's a ton of work. And this is not a have it on and pay half attention to it. Yeah. But there are also times where it's slow enough that my mind starts to wander. Well, it's one of those shows where even when I'm paying full attention to it and I'm focused on it, I'm getting just baffled enough that I'm asking you questions of Am I actually understanding what I'm seeing? Because what I think I'm understanding doesn't make sense. Yeah. And there are a couple of times they've had a few characters that it's like, wait, when did we first see him? Who was he again? Because they'll go episodes with them not even being in it or they may go half a season. Yeah. So it's. I was grateful uh, in some respects for the post credit scene at the end of the season. Yeah, but I'm in such a habit that when the credit starts to roll, I, you know, stop watching that I'm wondering if I've missed a few others like that or if it's just end of series season sort of a thing. Yeah, that's something we should look for. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the post credit scenes on television shows. Yeah, it's so. unexpected. Definitely. Yeah. So anything else on this? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.